To worship. Good morning. Good morning. The scripture verse is Psalm 15. O Lord, who may dwell in thy tabernacle, who may dwell on thy holy hill, the man of blameless life who does what is right and speaks the truth from his heart who has no malice on his tongue, who never wrongs a friend, who tells no tales against his neighbor, the man who shows his scorn for the worthless and honors all who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not retract, who does not put his money out to usury and takes no bribe against an innocent man. He who does these things shall never be brought low. Amen. I remember when that psalm became very real to me one lunch hour when I was sitting in the park in downtown Springfield. And the thing that really stuck out to me is someone who can swear to his own hurt. That really takes a lot of faith. Well, let's continue our worship singing number 440, I'll Live for Him.
Let us pray. Lord God, we've gathered here this morning to worship you. We've come knowing and believing that you will be present with us and among us. We ask that you would move on each and every one of our hearts, that you would continue your process of of changing us, of helping us to be more like Jesus and therefore more like you. Um, You have just given us so much. The very least we can do to thank you is by your grace and by your spirit to live for you. So let this be enabled this morning, but only as a byproduct of our all-out worship of you, for you alone are worthy. Amen. And now, uh, if we will take our bulletin inserts, we'll pray together our prayer of confession. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws, and we have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And in the words of the Apostle John, the only one of the twelve to die a natural death, Somewhere around 80 AD, he wrote to the church at large, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can take that as a promise. And now let us continue to worship God, focusing on what Jesus has done for us, number 301 at the cross, and number 309 redeemed. Oh 
Amen. And now we will have the reading of our scripture for this morning. The Old Testament scripture is from Exodus 19, 1 to 6. In the third month after Israel had left Egypt, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and entered the wilderness of Sinai, where they encamped, pitching their tents opposite the mountain. Moses went up the mountain of God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, Speak thus to the house of Jacob, and tell this to the sons of Israel. You have seen with your own eyes what I did to Egypt, and how I have carried you on eagles' wings and brought you here to me. If only you will now listen to me and keep my covenant, then out of all peoples you shall become my special possession, for the whole earth is mine. You shall be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the Israelites. And Exodus 20, 1 and 2. God spoke, and these were his words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt out of the land of slavery. And the New Testament reading is Matthew twenty-two, thirty-four to 40. Hearing that he had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees met together, and one of their number tested him with this question. Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That is the greatest commandment. It comes first. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Everything in the law and the prophets hangs on these two commandments. Amen. Let us now uh, take our songbooks, our hymnals, and go to number 626 and recite the Nicene Creed together. We believe in one God the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, 
who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Which is Hebrew for it is true. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. Lord God, thank you for the deliverance from sin and self that is in your Son, the Savior King. And thank you for the ongoing process of sanctification through the indwelling Holy Spirit so we can truly become holy as you are holy. And please help us to not expect too much from our neighbors who do not know you in this way. People who are ignorant of sin and your good news are still trapped by the deceiver and accuser of all you have created in your image. So until they are convinced of sin, righteousness, and the judgment to come, they are incapable of either knowing or doing your will as expressed in your word. So we pray now that you will do a miracle in their hearts, minds, and wills. And we ask you that we would be able to continue to pray for our neighbors and also that you would show us and lead us to faithfully witness the truth of Jesus to them. First of all, we, your church, need to be revived. But also, we do ask you to send another awakening in our country and especially in the Northeast and Northwest corners of our nation. We pray for our brothers and sisters in nations with great oppression and persecution. North Korea, Nigeria, Nicaragua, China, Russia, Iran, Iraq, and many, many more. And Lord, we do not understand your ways. Well, we do know that you absolutely love the poor, needy, widows, orphans, and stranger sojourners. We also know that only a few leaders and powerful people in North America know you to the point of being sold out to you and taking an hour or so each day to listen to you and to pray for your will to be done. So first, first, help these leaders that do know you to speak out boldly for you in your ways. And second, and we can't imagine how, but some way, somehow, because you are God, please change the hearts, minds, and desires of those in the majority of our leaders who are ignorant and or outright opposed to you and your people. And we pray for our church family. Please bless Allie as she's visiting family today and bring Misty closer to you day by day. Please continue to be with John and his family as they miss and remember Pat. Please be with uh, Ginny and give her joy in your strong love and a desire to worship you in person. Please be with Peter, Linda, Billy, and their family. Give them all they need in your perfect timing. Please be with Ken and fill them with your love, joy, and peace. Please help Elin to be more organized in her life. Please give Cindy strength and thank you that she has Jeff, and may he come to know you in a deeper way. And Father, we, we pray for Al and Carol. We pray that you would uh, bless them and keep them, help them in all their ways every day. 
We pray for um, Noel and Darren, and we hope they're both in attendance at their church. And I want to pray for my sister, Linda, and her husband, Elliot. They both have some very, very serious health problems, and you know that all too well. But thank you that they received some good news this week. And now I ask especially that you would help me to explain, interpret, and apply your word in a way that is pleasing to you. And most of all, that this word that we will hear this morning, that you will change us, change the very way that we live And it will not only affect us today, but every day of this week and be just another little building block in all that you want to do in us, your church. And now we come before you with one heart and voice in the words of the prayer Jesus taught his followers. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now... uh Go to your bulletin inserts, please. And before we hear uh, more from God's word, let's sing together in Christ alone.
Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no schemes of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ I'll stand. I think what is so amazing about that song is it has almost the whole gospel in it in just those four verses. Well, Debbie said something to me in our first year of marriage that clarified for me the difference between the people of God and those who are ignorant of him and his ways. Now, she says it wasn't original. Of course, it wasn't. But here it is. You cannot clean a fish before you catch it. Okay. Christianity is more than a moral code. Every nation has some kind of moral code. The problem is human nature being what it is, no one has the power to always live by any moral code. And for those who know and love Jesus and want to obey all he commanded must understand that only those who have surrendered to him in humble faith can be enabled and empowered by God to live according to God's instructions. People who are still living according to the values of those who are outside the family of God will never be made clean by any moral code, even God's. No one can live by God's instruction as given in his word without first becoming a child of God by his grace through the gift of faith that he or she may receive from God. Now, Jesus told four fishermen that they were to follow him so that they would catch men to life. That's the literal translation of the word used by Luke in chapter 5 of his gospel. Now, once a fish, that is a person, belongs to God, that fish or person can be made clean by God. Now, today, we're hearing the first of four messages on what we call the Ten Commandments. But quite literally, and I only found one translation that really translated the Hebrew correctly. It was in Exodus 34 in the New Jerusalem Bible. The covenant God, known as Yahweh, spoke to Moses ten words. Words. Now, I have no objection to posting the Ten Commandments in a public place. Okay? They are indeed God's goals for all people. However, until someone becomes a child of God, it's impossible, impossible to live by these words. And this is why, and we heard it read this morning in Exodus 19, and as a prelude to chapter 20, we begin with Yahweh's first words to Moses. These commandments are addressed to people that God had delivered from bondage to become his treasured possession. And they were called to be holy priests, Only such people can obey God's word. Only those delivered by God to be priests can obey his words. That's the the central point of everything this morning. So now let us see more details 
in what Yahweh and Jesus said about these 10 words. So we'll begin with the Exodus passages, first 19 and 20. We can sum them up this way. Yahweh directed Moses to say to Israel, I carried you all to myself. And if you will obey my covenant, you all will be to me a kingdom of priests. And I brought you all out of slavery or bondage. Now, first we'll look at chapter 19, which can be summed up this way. After Israel had gone out from Egypt, Yahweh said to Moses, I carried you all to myself. And if you will obey my covenant, you all will be to me a kingdom of priests. Now, let me give you um, the literal words that were inspired. Starting out on the third new moon, after the children of Israel had gone out from the land of Egypt, on that day they came to the wilderness of Sinai. When they had departed from Rephidim and came to the wilderness of Sinai, they camped in the wilderness. Israel camped before the mountain. Okay, first of all, time and place. They left Egypt at the full moon. Okay, Passover was always on the full moon, the 15th of the month. The month began on the new moon. So three and a half months have gone by. Now, Rephidim means resting places, plural. And in three and a half months, they would have had a stop at many resting places. Now, Sinai means thorny. And it describes vegetation in the wilderness. And as I thought about this more, animals love to eat plants and whatever. It's part of their diet, right? But the thorns, when there aren't many plants, that will protect the the plants and keep them alive. And now the Israelites have set up camp at the foot of this mountain, continuing the scripture and Moses went up to God and Yahweh called him from the mountain to say thus you will say to the house or family of Yaakov and you will tell the children of Israel so notice Moses was starting up the mountain and once he had started up the mountain the covenant God calls him now Yahweh gave Moses words for his people, calling them first by their ancestor's birth name and then by the name he was given after he wrestled with God all night. And then he says to Moses, you all, you all saw what I did to the Egyptians and then how I bore you all on wings of eagles, and I brought you to myself. So first of all, we have Yahweh and the people of Egypt. He had sent 10 horrible plagues on Egypt, culminating in the death of every firstborn son. And then when they tried to pursue God's people, he drowned the entire Egyptian army in the Red Sea. I mean, I would like to think that if I had seen all these things and my friends had seen all these things, we wouldn't have forgotten them right away. So God did these miracles to rescue them from their enemies. And now we see Yahweh and Israel. Remember, none of these plagues affected the people of Israel. And they went through the Red Sea as on dry ground. Now, I love this wings of eagles. And I looked up this image throughout scripture. And some 40 years later, when Moses was teaching them, he wouldn't go in. But as they were to finally go and, and, and take over the land that God had spoken about, he taught them a song to remember how God had delivered them. And in one of these songs, there's a line, Deuteronomy 32:11, where he compares what God did to a mother teaching her young how 
how to fly. Now, I didn't put it in the outline, but what, what happened was when the chicks were big enough that they should fly, she'd stir up the nest and push them out. Now, she would watch, and if some of them could not fly, they hadn't mastered flight yet, she would swoop down under them and catch them on the pinions of her wings and then carry them back to safety to try again another day. That's what God had done for them in Egypt. And then Isaiah told God's people if they wait for him, they will ascend on eagle's wings. And then we can go all the way to the last book of the Bible and we're told in the final battle, Israel will be given eagle's wings to fly to a wilderness and there be nourished. So all of that is in that line of what God was saying. Then he continues, Now if you all fully hear my voice and keep my covenant, you all will be my treasured possession from all the people for all the earth is mine. So... If they hear and if they keep, to fully hear God, the covenant God, means to obey him. And when people fully know that God has delivered them, that's the key. We have to know what God has done for us. Then we can and will obey him. Those delivered by God can obey his words. And then he uses this word treasured possession. And again, almost 40 years later, Moses tells them that they are a holy people chosen by God to be his treasured possession, Deuteronomy 7. And then he concludes chapter 19, our portion that we heard this morning with these words. And you are You all will be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou, Moses, shall speak to the children of Israel. So those hearing and keeping God's word will be his holy priests. What is a priest? Just in general, a priest makes sacrificial offerings as an intermediary between God and his worshiping people. Now, we now know Jesus as the high priest who has made the only offering that matters. But going way back to the first book and the first man called, we're told in Genesis 18, Yahweh saw Abraham as a holy priest to his family. And then Adonai Yahweh gave a word to the poor and brokenhearted that they would be called his priests in the year of his favor, Isaiah 61. And in an incredible prophecy, he hinted he would select some people from all nations to be his priests, the last chapter of Isaiah. And Peter just absolutely affirms this truth in his letter to first century Christians, calling them, all Christians together, a chosen people and a royal priesthood. So putting this all together, this is what God wants us to know. His people through all the ages, only those delivered by God to be priests for him can obey his word. And now let's go on to chapter 20, which is the prelude. We're going to just hear the prelude of what we call the Ten Commandments. God spoke in summary saying, I'm Yahweh who brought thee out of bondage. So going to the scripture, then God spoke all these words to say, I am Yahweh thy God. The identity, this is so important. Who is saying this? Who is making this covenant? The covenant God of Israel is speaking to Moses and through him to all of Israel. And he says two things. I have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Okay. Yahweh had told Abraham 400 years before this that he would bring them out of a country of bondage, Genesis 15. And he has now gotten them out 
of the wrong place. Also out of the house of bondage or servitude. So the wrong status. Yahweh wants his people to be free to serve him and not to be bondservants to anyone. Okay, this is all by grace. One thing more you must know. Covenants, typical human covenants in the second millennium before Christ began with a reminder from the maker and initiator of the covenant what that maker had done to benefit his subjects. And here in this statement, this prelude to the Ten Commandments, He's saying as a result of his grace to give his people special privileges, a treasured possession, Yahweh expects them to take the responsibility to obey him as priests seeking to bring his deliverance to other people. God's people, Israel, were always to be evangelists. And only those delivered by God to be priests can obey his word. All right, let's go forward now because Matthew says something very significant in his gospel. He, he quotes Jesus And he tells us of a typical confrontation. Religious leaders ask Jesus to give the greatest commandment. And he says, love God with everything and thy neighbor as thyself. On these all scripture is hung. So first of all, the the Jewish religious leaders send a representative to ask Jesus the greatest commandment. Let's again hear it word for word. But the Pharisees, having heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, were gathered together to themselves. Now, in public, none of the religious leaders, Pharisees or Sadducees, were disciples of Jesus. In fact, they all made it clear they thought Jesus was a false prophet. So then we're told... And he asked one of them, a lawyer. Now, I notice it's not in the version we heard read. That's one of those ones where it's in most of the manuscripts, but not all, what his role was. But he tests him. He asked to test. Now, if we take the fact that he was a lawyer, that means that he was an expert. In all of God's word, especially the Torah of God's instruction, which they would call the law. And then here it is. Master, which commandment is greatest in the Torah or law as it came to be known? This is a great question. He respectfully asked Jesus a great question about the great commandment. And then we have Jesus' answer. In summary, love the Lord thy God with all. The great and first commandment. Second, love thy neighbor as thyself. On these all instruction is hung. The prophets as well. Now it's very interesting. In the original language, the word Jesus is not used in verse 37. Uh, Many translations put it in there, but it's only the Greek masculine definite article. But they can't say, but the. They could say he, or they could say one, meaning the one, was saying to them, thou will love the Lord, the God of thee, in the whole of thy heart, and in the whole of thy soul, and in the whole of thy mind. So love the covenant God. What's Jesus doing here? He's merely quoting the first word that Moses spoke to the generation of Israelites about to enter the land that God told Abraham they would have as a permanent possession. That is his descendants. And Moses said this after he reaffirmed that the covenant God, Yahweh, is the one and only God. Deuteronomy 6. Then Jesus goes on to say, this being the great and first commandment. 
the great first. Jesus says, all who have received God's love must first wholeheartedly love him back. Now, let's make this personal. More than anything, we all must understand that obedience to God's word is predicated, predicated on receiving his deliverance with gratitude. And how do we be grateful to him? We express our gratitude by loving him with all we have. Then Jesus continues, but second is the same to it. Thou will love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, God has been giving me this over the last three or four years. I don't know if I've ever preached it or I've ever written on it. But if we have a strong relationship with God based on the assurance, the assurance he will forgive us in Jesus. And if we have received grace to obey him in order to experience his love and joy and peace, we must be desiring and working for our neighbor to have the same assurance that we have. We must share salvation we have received in Jesus. I believe this is what it means to love our neighbor as ourself. What's the most important thing or should be the most important thing to us? Our relationship with God in Jesus. We want our neighbor to have that too. We love our neighbor by sharing our salvation. Let us be grateful that the covenant God has taken us from the wrong place and the wrong position on eagle's wings in order to free us. And now let us join with him to be used by him to free others. And then Jesus concludes, in these two commandments, the whole law, Torah instruction, is being hung as well as the prophets. Now, he left out the writings, but I think he meant them to be included as well. In other words, Jesus says, every word of God's scripture flows from these two commandments. All who have received God's deliverance from bondage to sin and self in Jesus are now able to obey all of God's words, including the Ten Commandments, which we will begin to examine specifically next week. Only those delivered by God to be priests can obey his words. Let's, let's just remember that. It's only those who experience salvation in an ongoing way can really obey. Let's wrap it up. After Yahweh carried his people out of bondage, he told Moses that if they obeyed his covenant, they would be to him a kingdom, a holy kingdom of priests. And then he gave his people 10 words of commands. Jesus later taught. The first and great command is to love God with everything and then to love thy neighbor as thyself. In other words, people who have a relationship with God should be motivated to love their neighbors by sharing with them the salvation they have received. But only those delivered by God to be priests can obey his words. And for our final song, let us sing a perfect song of the faith in the gospel. 469, Trust and Obey.
the order. Don't ever try to reverse it. Faith in Jesus Christ to be saved enables us to the obedience of faith, which Paul talks about. Obedience will never take us to faith. And now let us hear what uh, Paul wrote in his first chapter to the churches in Colossae. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or authorities, All things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. Faith in that one will lead us to obedience, to love God and love one another. And let's close speaking of love with number 120, Behold What Manner of Love, 120. Behold what 